Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. Before I get started, I just wanted to point something out. Uh, There's a bucket in the middle of the room. Anyone notice that coming in? Yeah, good. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting as I was sitting here, um, if you listen quietly enough, it sounds, it's like the sound of waterboarding. Uh, so try your best to ignore it. But what I appreciate is uh, I, I was overhearing the conversation um, of, of Calvin and Ella about the bucket. And kids sometimes when they see something unique in the middle of the space, their minds go to this beautiful place of creativity. And I hear Calvin go, yeah, it's just God's love pouring out. Like, just so simple. And I was thinking uh, uh, just about that in terms of discipleship. And this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, the Holy Spirit. And I think sometimes in our lives, the Holy Spirit's like the bucket in the middle of the room that most of us want to ignore or try to get away from, or like it may be even a little bit annoying to us or scary to us. But I think sometimes God has so much for us in the bucket placed in the middle of the room. So I just want to take, this is like the only time I ever invite people to take out their phones, but take a picture of that and put it on your screenshot. So when you open it up, you can be reminded. When you open your phone, you can be reminded that, you know, the Holy Spirit shows up. He's the bucket in the room waiting to be poured out onto us. But I want to invite you to do that. You could, you have a moment, take out your phones, paparazzi, take some pictures. Um, but I just really appreciate the fact that there's a leak in this roof right now. Boys and Girls Club probably does not as much as I do. Um, thank you so much, Jenny. Where would I be? Did you guys all hear that? Someone put a microphone on that guy. Hold on. Yeah, I think that, that needs to be. People are going to be sitting at home listening to this. The bucket says Hawaiian Day on the side, which I thought was hilarious. Because when I first came to sit down, I thought it was going to be full of like Hawaiian lays. And <laughs> I thought it was the theme of this Sunday morning was Hawaii. But um, <laughs> what's cool is that, I don't know, as you sit here and think about it more and, and the creativity gets going, when we really lean into the Holy Spirit and what he has for us, it could be like sitting on a beach in Hawaii and, and true peace and comfort there. Mm. Amen. Yeah, well, I'm done. I'll just sit down. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Jeez. Uh, yeah, there's so many things that I feel like we can go into today, and I've really appreciated this opportunity we've had to uh, discuss on discipleship over these last few weeks. Um, and I don't know about you, but I've been really challenged as I've been reading the book of Mark uh, to see what Jesus has been up to has just been like blasting my soul. Um, creating, stirring this deeper passion of who Jesus is, of who he loves, of the ways he shows up in people's lives. It's just like blown me away. And like what I'm starting to, to get at and starting to understand, uh, you, as you read through the book of Mark, some of your translations, if you guys can turn to the very end of the book of Mark, this, I have no notes on this right now. So um, if you turn to the very end of the book of Mark, there's this really interesting thing that happens. Uh, it's page 94 on my Bible. It's probably something totally different on yours. But there's what's called the longer ending of Mark, or as some people call the addendum. 
Right, Mark kind of, if, if you leave that out, Mark ends in this really weird space. It's kind of like, uh, well, here, let's, let, why don't we read it? Um, it actually ends here. Uh, so they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. That's the end of Mark. <laughs> You're like, whoa, Jesus did all this stuff. It starts out the good news of the kingdom of heaven showing up in the earth, and it ends with, they said nothing. <laughs> and I love how the gospel, like I can just picture, um, you know, Mark penning this, like Peter telling the story, Mark penning it, and then at the end, like, Mark falls asleep by accident, and he forgets to write the addendum, and he sends out the letter, and Peter shows up at this church, and they're like, oh, I thought you didn't say anything. He's like, what? And he looks over at Mark, and he's like, I must have missed something. But what I appreciate about the addendum is it's insanity. It's crazy. Because the truth is, some of us, we hear the story of Scripture, we hear what Jesus is doing, and we're like, this is amazing, but then we have this weird space where we say nothing. And it just sits there, and it does nothing. When I was a kid, um, or actually just a few years ago, uh, anyone ever have like a gardening bug? Any good gardeners in here? Anybody? One, two. Any terrible gardeners in here? Yes, okay, you far outweigh those that can garden. So one of the things that I, uh, this one year I was super passionate, and I was like, we're going to buy trays, make baby flower, baby plants, and then I was really excited because... I was going to make chilies and tomatoes. That was like my thing, because I love chili, and I figured I could do this really cool thing and make this really good chili. So I had this, like, literally this vision of chili in the end of my mind in, like, October. And so I get my tray, and, you know, I get the dirt and the miracle Grow and all those stuff and the seeds, and I'm putting them in all the things. And, you know, lo and behold, even I was able to grow plants out of these little trays. And they grew, and this was like in, I think it was like early March I planted them. And I'm like so pumped, and they're growing, and they're getting bigger. And they get to a certain stage, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Only until, you know, I only have a few more months or a month left until I can plant these in the ground. Waited, watched them, and they looked great. They were these little, tiny, beautiful, healthy plants. And I loved it. It was awesome. Thought I've done something. I've created this beautiful thing. And so I planted, you know, I got a couple bags of compost. I got some new soil. I borrowed my cousin's rototiller and I just like tore up this little patch of ground. And it was really fun. I mean, getting muddy and dirty is one of my favorite things. And at the end of it, you know, put all the stuff, I plant these things in the ground. Every day I'm watering them. A month goes by and I'm watching them and I'm like, they don't really. Like, they look kind of the same as what they did when they were in the house. Like, surely, another month they'll be fine. Well, the next month comes around. They're still the same stinking size. I'm like, what the crap is going on? This is so bizarre. And I'm like, maybe it's just like, maybe there's just something about June and July. You know, maybe June and July are just bad months. Maybe it's in August that the magic will happen. August comes around, it still is the exact same size. Like, they have not grown at all. They literally were this tall, and that was it. I'm like, what is this? Maybe it's just the magic of September. Like, that's when baseball gets good. Maybe everything really starts to grow. And so this thing, like, grows up just, like, literally like a half an inch in September. And none of my plants, except save one, one plant had a pepper like this big. Like, someone took a shrink ray gun to all my plants and were like, like, they're done. And I saw this pepper and I ate it and... I mean, it didn't really satisfy me, but at least I grew something. And so I was talking to some of my gardening friends. I was like, what happened? You know, like, I, I thought I did everything right, and they're talking about all this stuff, and they're like, well, how did you mature your plants? 
Like, what do you mean mature my plants? He's like, well, you know, you grow seedlings and they kind of grow up and then you have to put them in bigger pots. Because you put them in bigger pots, then other root systems begin to grow deeper. A plant will grow to its container. And then it just fails. Stops working and moving and doing the things that it's supposed to do. I'll switch over to this. It's no tape one. And it just stopped. And I'm looking at these plants and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm a little upset because I had to buy all the stuff to make chili that year. But even beyond that, it became this deep lesson. And it was this lesson of there are moments in life when we hear from Jesus, we experience them, but we don't say anything. And we limit the pot. We, we stay potted in the plants that we've been like put in. Like we stay in that small container and we never let Jesus show up and radically disorient and break apart and like build something new. And so as I was thinking about discipleship throughout this week, um, one of the things that I've really been wrestling with and thinking through and feel like this is from the Lord for us is the role that the Holy Spirit plays in discipleship. Because my fear is we become so good at discipleship, at like doing all these good godly things and marking off this, you know, these checklists and all this stuff that we forget that it's this beautiful dance, this beautiful relationship with the Father. And if we don't have the Holy Spirit present in the ways that we're growing and forming and being shaped, we're just becoming, as a scriptural word, just sons and daughters of Satan. Like we've just become good religious people. And religion in and of itself can be really helpful, but it can also be super dangerous. And so I'm going to show us a video clip here. Um, it's, it, it, and we're going to get into groups of three or four and kind of like discuss it for just a minute, but it's a little bit weird. And um, so for those avant-garde folks here, uh, you'll probably love it. For the rest of us, we'll just be scratching our head, and that's okay. Um, but I want us to, p to pay attention and think about these, these, these few questions. How does this relate to how we understand the Holy Spirit? And who are you in this video? And so, I think it's, here we go. So uh, um, the questions are up on the screen, and I'd like for us to get in groups of three or four and discuss these questions. Uh, if, you're, if you're married, don't be with your spouse. Try to spread out so you can get different perspective. Uh, that'd be great. So go ahead. You have like five, four minutes. Four minutes. And so, yeah, what comes to mind when we think of the Holy Spirit uh, for many of us is, you know, he's kind of, uh, well, sort of across the board, he's the most neglected member of the Trinity. Um, especially as we think about many of our upbringings, he's, he's kind of like the guy we sort of talked about, like father, son, and uh, um, there's sort of this space of just realizing like the Holy Spirit sort of equaled weird and crazy and difficult and stuff that was just different to, uh, to explain. Um, some people kind of looked at him as the strange uncle. Um, it's usually met with skepticism. Uh, he's usually met with skepticism. He's normally met with uh, a bit of fear. Um, people kind of see him a bit as a troublemaker. And on the other side, we have folks that just like, um, you know, they'll see the Holy Spirit in like every little thing of, you know, where it's almost like uh, an extreme version of like, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit gave me a parking spot. And he can. And I'm not saying that he doesn't do that. 
but it's one of those things where it's sort of, we sort of seen these swings from back and forth. Um, I was part of a, of a denomination who, who was uh, started in the 1800s uh, before I came here to renew. And um, in the 1800s, there was this amazing move of the Holy Spirit among people. And the denomination I was part of uh, split out of that and sort of adopted this idea or this theological space that says the Holy Spirit doesn't do those things. Those, you know, and there were people that were speaking in tongues and people being healed and all this other kind of like radical stuff. And so folks kind of, my tribe kind of backed away from that. And so I think when we come to this space, like we all have these different understandings. Some of us have been hurt uh, by people that have talked about the Holy Spirit, where people come up and be like, hey, the Holy Spirit told me this about you. And you're like, you don't even know who I am. Like, and it maybe hasn't come true. And so some of that, I think we really want to look at that today. And we want to figure out, so what role does the Holy Spirit play in discipleship? And the truth is he plays a huge role. Uh, If we think about the story of the gospel, and we think about particularly the end of Mark, the disciples were afraid and said nothing. And when we look at the addendum and we read the book of Acts, these uneducated, fearful fishermen, these uh, greedy, kind of broken, quiet tax collectors, uh, these these prostitutes and different people who were following Jesus were, were sort of afraid And then when the Holy Spirit comes, all of a sudden they're emboldened. The prostitutes become the the early church mothers who are just fostering this beautiful picture of faith. Um, These disciples, these fishermen become emboldened and talk as educated people. Um, But the story is, is they're, they're deeply changed. The Holy Spirit does this like transformational work in the life of a, of a follower of Jesus that it's, it's not by doing more, but it's by receiving the gift that God has in the person of the Holy Spirit. And so in the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture, we kind of find these two words that, that, that we hear in terms of spirit. And the first word in the Hebrew is the word ruach. Can you guys say that? Yeah, it sounds like you're spitting, Um, but it's the word for breath. And so even in the very first chapter of Genesis, like verse three, we see it says the Ruach of God was hovering over the waters. And we just see the sort of this, this, this continuation of the understanding of what the spirit is, what the breath of God is, the life of God. And as we get to the New Testament, the Greek word pneuma, where we get the word pneumonia or, you know, lung issues, spirit issues, breath issues. Um, That is a word that what we start to see in the New Testament is like there's something really unique about the Holy Spirit, about the Spirit of God. And so I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, open up to John uh, chapter 14, 12 through 27. And this is Jesus's teaching on the Holy Spirit, one of them. There's a few, but this is one I want us to focus on this morning. Uh, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and will be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live also. You also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands will keep them is the one who loves me, and the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. My friends, I feel like right at the very beginning of this passage, there's something that we need to reconcile, and that's this wild thing that Jesus says when he says, ask anything in my name, and I will give it to you. Do we believe that? Do we come to a space as far as of Jesus where, where we say, okay, I get that. Now, granted, there's some weird stuff in that. that. That's a hard thing for many of us to swallow because we think, well, you know, I could ask for this or that, the other thing. But I think what, what this whole piece is saying is that if we love Jesus, we're going to capture his heart. We're going to get his heart for people around us. We're going to get his heart for those that he has a heart for. And the things that we ask are going to line up with the things that he has for folks. And there's something so powerful about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives because when we align our hearts with Jesus, his spirit is going to start speaking things to our hearts that we just begin to speak out. And we start seeing this radical transformation in our lives and in the lives of those around us. But we meet the Spirit in this, and Jesus talks, he uses some words that are really interesting. He, he calls the Spirit the advocate, um, and he says that he's going to teach and remind. And we can trust the Holy Spirit to teach us and to remind us. Has anyone ever had an experience in their life where they felt like the Holy Spirit was teaching them something? Um, yeah, some of us. I, I think back to the conversation that Dave Balecki and I had a few weeks ago on the managed, the managed life, wounded life, informed life. These are these spaces where Jesus teaches us and preaches to us and reminds us, and the Holy Spirit shows up and just blows us away. The Holy Spirit brings peace. Um, for those of you that haven't had a chance to listen to Alfredo Sosa's conversation um, about apprenticeship and what the Lord's doing in his life on the in-between, he, he has this beautiful story of him being in a really difficult space, and Jesus shows up in the car, and the Holy Spirit just gives him this amazing peace. He said it was this really tumultuous time in life. I didn't really know what was going on, and this peace just settled over my heart. And so we see that the Holy Spirit brings peace to those that give the Holy Spirit access. The other thing that we see is that the Holy Spirit brings power that's available for us today, but we have to give him access. And I love that video and that picture of at the end when, when you know, the newspaper is rustling and then he shakes hands and has, the, guy, has the, the wind sit down with him. I think that's a beautiful image for us as people who follow Jesus to realize that the Holy Spirit is not just out there like, hey, I'm just going to like just do all this stuff in you, but we have to actually invite him. And that's what I appreciate because when the disciples are, are scared and afraid, Jesus, right before he leaves up to heaven, he says this. He says, hey, guys, go to Jerusalem and hang out. Wait. 
wait, and I'm going to send my spirit to empower you. And that's when all the, the wild and amazing things happen. And in some ways, that's when the church is, that, that is the birthday of the church. We celebrated that last year uh, as a community with Pentecost. But we see this power come, and as we read scripture, we hear things like prophetic words. We hear people with these visions and dreams, and that the Holy Spirit gives these things. We hear deliverance and freedom and healing. We hear about people speaking another language and praying in tongues, and we hear about teaching gifts and apostolic gifts and all these different things that the Holy Spirit gives to those that give him access to. There's this word paraclete. Uh, it's used five times in the New Testament, all by John, four in the Gospel of John and one in his writing of the epistles. And it's this idea of a counselor. So another word for advocate is this word counselor, or a better translation would be a comforter or a strengthener. And so why would Jesus be telling his disciples before he goes to his death that they're going to need comfort and that the comforter will come? Because we have to understand that if we follow Jesus, he's going to take us to uncomfortable places. He's going to bring us into stuff and places that just don't necessarily feel like the easy road. And that's important for us to hear this morning. Because the scripture says that following Jesus is like picking up a cross. It's suffering. Um, Sometimes it's at the hand of others. Sometimes it's our own hands. And sometimes it's because life just happens. And this gets to the question, again, around the, the wounded life and the managed life and the formed life. And the question is not, God, why? But God, what? God, what might you be able to form in me through this situation or through this pain or through this trial that I'm experiencing. Not, God, what do you want to teach me? It's, God, what might you form in me? What character of God might be forming in me in the midst of this this thing? What, What treasure am I mining for if I have to go into this deep, dark place? Um, a church, early church father, uh, John Chrysostom, said this. He said, Christianity and suffering go hand in hand. But as a person absorbs the realities of the gospel and the lasting and the lasting harmful effects of suffering are gracefully erased. Let me read that again. Christianity and suffering go hand in hand. But as a person absorbs the realities of the gospel, the good news that you are a beloved child of God, that guilt and shame have no space in your life any longer, the lasting and harmful effects of suffering are gracefully erased. The growth of the soul results. And as a church, I've been so grateful that we've been continually pressing into this understanding and that we've been looking to understand that the Holy Spirit has so much more. As we gathered and we prayed for 24 hours last year, we took slots as we started to seek the Holy Spirit, as we invited him to be present with us, I'm encouraged, but I'm convinced that there is more. I'm convinced that the Holy Spirit has more for us. And that if Jesus has it for us, we need to want it. We need to just say, yes, Lord, whatever you have for us, we receive and we want. Um, I've been really fortunate to 
to have some kind of really great experiences with the Holy Spirit. Just a week ago, my wife and I were at a conference with a few folks, and um, we were in this time of worship, and my wife goes afterwards, she comes up, she's like, Doug, we need to go up and pray for your leg. I've got this weird thing where I have this burning that starts here and goes all the way down my leg. It just burns. Like, it feels like it's on fire. There's, like, nerve damage. I don't know. It happened. Somehow it happened when I cut my finger real bad, but there's probably something else. And so I'm like, okay. So I walk up with my wife, and this woman prays for us, and I kid you not, my leg has not burned since. So it's been like, it's been like a week of standing on my feet and not feeling that burning sensation. And like, I'm just, I'm amazed. It's, it's bizarre. It's still numb, but there's no burning. And so I'm convinced like God's doing something in me. And then the most incredible thing was as Mare and I come up to be prayed for uh, by this lady, then the lady looks at Mare and she puts her hand on her head and she starts praying for her and says, you're in like, you just need to release, like just, I speak release over your life. You need to just, like, whatever's happening, like, you're just releasing. Release it. And there's a new season on, on, on your way. This woman knows nothing about us. And, like, Mare's in this beautiful space of, like, in this beautiful posture in this season of just releasing some things that she's held on to. And she's also in this beautiful season of incredible transition of God breathing new stuff in her. And so just to have that affirmation was, like, this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit speaking to her and encouraging her. Sometimes I'm like, man, that sounds really weird. Maybe she just guessed it. Maybe, but I don't think so. I think the Holy Spirit shows up and has given gifts to all of us in this, in this room with a bucket in the middle that have helped us and that are a gift for the world and that are a gift for the church. Now, some of us may be thinking, well, oh, you know, like I wanted to be healed of this. It didn't happen. And I get that because sometimes what we want and what God wants might be a little bit different, but I think we keep pounding the gates of heaven for those things that we sense we want until either we hear God say stop or just say keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Uh, I was fortunate, uh, this is a few few years ago. These are just my experiences, so I understand it's not for everyone, but um, I was at a really low place. Anyone ever been at a low place, like where you're just feeling completely destroyed, beat up, like you want to quit most everything? And for me, it was specifically around the understanding of being called to be a pastor. I was like, I just, I don't, I don't want this weight anymore, Lord. And so we met, a, we met a, another woman named Cheryl. Some of us know Cheryl. Um, thanks to Cheryl, community dinner kind of got its, its breath and its, its life, and the Lord's been using that in amazing ways. And so Mary and I went, and we sat with Cheryl. And um, JR told me before, he's like, just, just, just be ready. And I, like, that kind of freaked me out. I was like, oh, gosh, what does this mean? He's like, she just, the Lord gives her pictures and visions and dreams, and she's just going to pray for you. And so literally, she puts her hand on me, and she just begins to pray, and like in, like in tongues and other things like that. And then all of a sudden, the Lord just gives her these pictures. And it's like the Lord was like downloading everything in my soul into her brain. And she just was speaking these things over my life in this way that I never imagined possible. And like I'm a, some of you have experienced these moments when like you meet the Lord somewhere, and it normally. How many of you have ever met him with tears? Like there's just tears in your eyes, and you're just like blown away. Well, you ever have tears like snot bubbles and drool at the same time? Like that's what happened. It was wild. And and the the pictures that she gave me, I mean, she told me about Jr. leaving before Jr. knew he was gonna he was gonna transition. And she said the Lord's got a new season. 
And he's got a new season for your church. And your church is going to be entering into this beautiful space of just these wild fields of harvest and this stuff. And like we're watching that happen like two and a half years later. And so my friends, like there's so much more to the Holy Spirit than I think we, we can possibly imagine. I was fortunate enough or dumb enough, I'm not sure. Uh, I, I, I flunked out of community college a few times. And when the Lord called me, I was like, I need to get to school somewhere. I need to read the Bible, probably need to learn how to read and then learn how to read the Bible. Um, and I went, the only school that would accept, I, tr- I applied, and I'm not going to name the university, but I applied to all the major Christian universities in the area and all of them rejected me. They're like, there's no way. <laughs> this guy... Wow. Except there was one school, <laughs> the Pentecostal school in Valley Forge uh, called Valley Forge Christian College. They took me, hooray, um, for those that, and it's great because Alfredo, one of our apprentices, he's also a Valley Forge grad and his wife, Brandy. So the Lord does great things there. Uh, by the way, they had their baby. So Abraham Wyatt is with us. Everybody's good. And I digress. But one of the things that was so amazing about being at a school like that is that the school that I was at there was part of the, the, the destruction um, when, when this big move of God happened in the 1800s and this, this church was one. I was working at the one church that split, and I was going to school at the other church that stayed. It's kind of weird, like really strange. But in that moment, I had a chance to hang out with spirit-filled people. And, like, I heard stories of, of, like, healing. And I'm not just talking, like, physical stuff, like, emotional stuff. Like, people being set free. Like, guilt and shame and baggage and stuff just being completely blown away. And I heard amazing stories about healing. Just stuff that, that I had a chance to be exposed to. And, Renew, we don't want to hold any of that stuff back from what God is up to. We want to continue to press forward to be reminded that God is active and alive in his spirit. The Ruach, the Numa, is hovering over our lives, waiting for us to invite him in. Um, our, one of our global partners, you all have heard of him, um, or if, you ha- if you're new with us, he's one of our global partners. He, the Lord continues to just show his power and his love and his grace on these people because they live in this, pos- in this posture of longing for more of what God has. And the Holy Spirit is present. It's present as we come to faith. Like he's there, he's present. But there's more. There's something that is unleashed in our lives and the lives of believers when we invite the Holy Spirit to come into our life. And many of us, we've been stuck in skepticism because of whatever and that grieves the Holy Spirit. And so what does it mean to grieve the Holy Spirit? Dallas Willard said this. He said, when someone walks into a room and we politely ignore or refrain from acknowledging them, we grieve that person. And the Holy Spirit is a person, as a member of the Trinity. When the Spirit is present and we politely ignore him, we grieve the Spirit. It's this relational word used among friends, like anger used among enemies. And so we come to this space of realizing that there is hope for us because in Acts chapter 19, we come to the story of the elders at Ephesus, and they know Jesus, but they're clueless about the Holy Spirit, kind of like many of us in some ways. And Paul lays hands on them, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and he sets that church on fire for the things of God. Because the Holy Spirit will always lead us to the heart of the Father. 
He will continue to help us to see what Jesus is up to. When the Holy Spirit is present in the life of a believer and in the life of a church, five things happen. Love. We begin to see love permeate the people of God, uh, and that spills out into the community of God. We see truth happen, and so truth of who we are and who God is and what he is like just begins to permeate this community. This element of holiness becomes so present where we just long to be people who are worthy to be called the kids of God, where we look at sin in our life and it bothers us, it it messes with us, and we want to get away from it. It brings this deep sense of unity amongst diverse people. And it calls us to mission. The Holy Spirit gets us into trouble. I feel like I should probably just end there. (laughs) But what I appreciate, too, about the Holy Spirit, what I've noticed in this church is when the Holy Spirit's present, there seems to be this deep sense of joy. I continue to kick back to our cannon, confetti cannon Sunday and watching the people of God in this community dance and rejoice in what, who God is and what he has done for us. And so what does all this stuff mean? Like we're talking about the Holy Spirit. What are we really trying to get at? And I think it's just two things. For a church, for us, for a community, for Renew. Um, we, don't need re- we don't need Renew to be really good at programs. We don't need to be renewed to be this seeker-sensitive church. We need to be spirit-sensitive. Because when we pay attention to the Holy Spirit, he's going to lead us well, because the Scripture says he will lead us well. And the structure of our church must submit to the Holy Spirit. And if there's any other way, I invite you to leave. Please leave. If you start noticing that we are not paying attention to the Holy Spirit and following what he has for us, you need to leave. Acts is about the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church, and that's why it's important for us to study it. And lots of kingdom mischief happens when a church continues to trust in the Holy Spirit and to spell faith R-I-S-K. And there seems to be, this is the last piece for the church, there seems to be, when the Holy Spirit's present, there seems to be this passion around worship and inviting and investing into people within the community of God and outside of the community of God. There's something about worship that just ignites the Holy Spirit and invites him to the place where we are. And my friends, I'm encouraged because historically there's been these beautiful outpourings of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church Uh, especially in North America, but all over the globe. When the Holy Spirit shows up and sets a church on fire, there's something that happens. There's some kind of a way where it's like people's lives just begin to be transformed in ways that we've just never seen before. People giving their hearts to Jesus, addictions falling, um, life being renewed, marriages being restored, um, people living into their, boldly living into their call of celibacy, these beautiful ways of the Spirit working. So for us as individuals, if we think of the Holy Spirit like a river, uh, many of us live our lives in different levels of the Spirit. Some of us are ankle deep. We can kind of feel the cool water. Um, But we're not fully enveloped, nor do we really trust him. Some of us are knee deep. We have a little bit deeper involvement, but we're still in control. Our feet are solidly planted on the ground. 
Some of us are chest deep. We can begin to feel the current, but yet we're still not fully letting go to what God has for us. And then some of us have dove right in and we're swimming. We're no longer in control, but we can feel the current moving. We trust. There is there's this, might be this sense of nervousness, but we sense that God is up to something beautiful and we trust that he is with us and he's going to lead us. Which begs just a few questions for us to sit with. How would you describe how involved you are in the river? To what depth are you experiencing the Holy Spirit? And how could you take a deeper level of involvement with the Spirit in this week? Because my friend, the bucket is in the middle of the room. And we can ignore it. We can pay attention to it, or we can jump right in it. If you want to do that later, that's fine. Jump in the bucket. But for us, I feel like we need to come to the space where we just are a church that holds a posture that says, Lord, we want everything that you have for us. And so, Renew, I want to invite us to be people that are trusting that the Holy Spirit is like the power that is going to envelop this community and help us to go out and tell this beautiful message of people being loved by God to a world that desperately needs it. We have some homework for this week. You guys excited? Yeah, good. Okay, we're going to read the book of Acts. That's 28 chapters. Um, and so I know that sounds really big, and some of you are like, oh, man, I could barely get through Mark. Acts is really cool. And here's what I want to do. As we're reading through Acts, just ask the question, what is the Holy Spirit doing, and what is he inviting me into? What level of faith might he be inviting me into? We're going to memorize John 14, 26. So go ahead, write that down. John 14, 26. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, and then this is our this is our last thing. So we have four four assignments this week. This is this is different. Um, we're gonna we're gonna actually ask the Holy Spirit something. Um, just in this last week, as a community, we've heard of uh, three very like major financial issues that have happened within our community. Um, there there are two broken down vans. Uh, there are, uh, and the, the, both bills are, are pretty high. Uh, there is also uh, a roof that has been blown off of a home uh, w- within our community. And so what we're going to do is we have a green box right here, and um, it's right there. And we're just going to ask that for the next week or two, uh, next two weeks, so next gathering, it'll be back again. But we want to give to the folks in our community who are hurting. When the Holy Spirit shows up in the book of Acts, it says that whenever needs arose, the church just figured out ways. They sold lawnmowers, did stuff, and they were able to give to whatever need. And there's this beautiful blessing. It said people had no needs among the community, or all the needs were met within the community of believers. So I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to give? Some of you, it may be nothing because you can't, and that's okay. And some of you may be like, you know what? I need to give this. But I just want, us, just want us to just test the Lord in this and just say, Lord, what do you want me to give to help and bless the families that are in need within our community? And so it'll be up here. If you're an online giver, when you go to our webpage, it says Donate Now. There's a drop box that says Benevolence. And whatever we collect in the next two weeks in Benevolence are going to go towards helping these three families. Let me pray for us. Um, I'm going to ask that you stand and um, just take a posture of, of receiving. I don't know what that looks like. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit.
Lord, may you help remind us in this week that your spirit is active and longs to be uh, even more invested with more access in our lives. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us that are seeking your spirit to trust that your spirit is coming and that your spirit is present and with us. Lord, may we, may we dive into all that you have for us in the gift of the Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.